listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness and for your love. But that you provided for us every single step of the way. That you're in this moment, loving on us in this moment. yourself out in this moment to us. God, thank you. Father, I thank you for healing. everything about it. We love your commands, your commandments, because they're a life to us. They're life to us. So Father, we look to your word this morning, and we thank you for revelation, that you take us deeper, that our eyes are open to see the deeper things. We know that your ways are higher. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. So God, show us. Show us what you'd want to show us. Speak to us individually what we need to hear. Our ears are open to hear what the Spirit is saying. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So you can be seated. Thank you, praise and worship team. Oh, we love his presence. Well, we're going to talk again. Um, I, we talked about the foundation um, of the tithe last week. And so this week we're going to finish up the tithe. Next week we're going to talk about offering and generosity. And then uh, we will conclude the series that we've been in. I'm excited about this message today. Um, but as we start, I'm, I want us to look... I want us to look into the heart of God as we start. So often what happens when when we talk about tithe or even when we talk about money, um, but especially when we talk about tithe, we look at it as like, this is what I have to do. This is just something that Christians do. And I want us to look at it through the heart of God and who God is. So we'll start in Matthew 13, verse 44. Oh boy, today I can't read my words. Okay, here we go. I just made it bigger. Matthew 13, verse 44. Heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. Meaning, this is, this is how Kevin, Kevin, this is how heaven's kingdom works. This is, this is God and his dominion. This is what comes forth from it. This is how, this is a principle that comes forth from God, okay? A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed 
and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. Just so he could have the treasure. Remember that. Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. He found a pearl and just gave it all because the pearl was that special. And oftentimes we hear this and we think of Jesus as, as the pearl, um, Jesus as the treasure in the field, but in fact, it's you. It's you. That you were the treasure. That Jesus gave up everything for you. That you were the pearl of such exquisiteness that he thought, I gotta give it up so that I can have them. This is the heart of God. And many times, I, I, don't, I don't even know, we could have been raised in this kind of atmosphere and heard this over and over, God is good, God is good, God is good. And we're like, yes. But then sometimes our thinking goes back to this place of maybe God doesn't value me that much. Maybe it's others, but not me or whatever it is. He says, no, no. You were what I gave up everything to have you loved that much cared for that much. And so even when we read the scriptures, sometimes we read it and we, and we read it through thinking that thinks that maybe I'm not as important or maybe maybe God is mad at me or maybe, maybe it's the things that I've done and maybe he likes others and I just... Or maybe it's the commandments are just because he's this law type God and he's like, because I said so. And in fact, it's because... He wants to bless you. It's because he loves you. Um, we're, we've been reading in Psalms. I just read Psalms this morning. I think we're in 18 and 19. And the chapter this morning said this. My, and I'm totally paraphrasing because I literally just read it. So I didn't memorize it. But, but he says it like, my, my commands, they're to bring joy. My commandments are so that you would see clearly my, my, the orders that I give is, is, is all for your benefit. All of it. Because I love you. So, so I want us to start with that type of thinking that I am loved. And he puts things in place because I am loved. Okay. We're going to go to Malachi 3. This is the tithing chapter that um, is, is quoted all the time. And I'm going to read it all and then we're going to break it up. Say, I am prepared. Say that. I am prepared to have my mind blown. <laughs> okay, good. Now that you're prepared, here we go. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? God says, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, 
if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So it starts out, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. We talked about, or we studied last week how the, the tithe was instituted by God. It was 10%. It was the first fruits. We ended that with um, tithing beginning and ending with honor to God. It is a kingdom principle that God put forth for us. So let me stretch your thinking a little bit. We talked about tithing being a heart posture. That when we bring the tithe, we bring it in honor. Recognizing everything comes from you. And so I'm giving back to you what's yours. The offering is giving it over and above. But we also talked about God not needing our money, right? God doesn't need our money. God's not going broke, right? Last we checked, God, God owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We read that in heaven, the streets are paved in gold. Gold, or God does not need our money. Yet there's a thinking that says, God needs my money. He needs it. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. He is put in place to work through you, but he doesn't need your money, right? We, we read the stories of the ravens. If God wants to supply a need, he'll use whatever he needs to use. So God doesn't need your money. He will use you, okay? If you obey, he will use you, but he doesn't need your money. Okay, here's another thought that we have often is the church needs my money. I have to tithe because the church needs my money. The church doesn't need your money. You're like, wait a minute. Now listen. God instituted in the word, we looked at it last week and we'll look at it again, that when you tithe, you would bring it into the church. But, but the church doesn't need your, you need your money. God supplies for the church. And what happens with that thinking when we think the church needs my money, you end up giving to the church and not to God. I got to do this because I'm faithful to the church. No, no, no. I do this because I honor God. Okay. So God didn't invent tithing to support his work although he uses us and works through us. You know, he... God will use whatever means he needs to use. If he needs to get a word to the church, he will use whatever he needs to get. You, we, we read about it in the Bible over many different times. God uses a whale. God uses a donkey. 
Come on, don't limit God by your thinking. What does God say about um, the church? He says, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I will build my church. Thank God that we are willing vessels to be used by him. So if God didn't invent the tithe for his work, although he uses it, then the tithe was created for your benefit. Okay, let's go to the word. God is saying in Malachi 3 verse 8, he says, you've robbed me. And they're like, well, how have we robbed you, God? How did we rob you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. First of all, let me say this. I think when God's talking about robbing him, if he doesn't need my money and the tithe is for my benefit, I think that we're robbing him of blessing us. We're robbing him of blessing us. Because if you read Malachi 3.8, like we just did, he says, you robbed me in tithes and offerings, and then he goes and lists the blessing. I know that, I know you're like, wait, okay, follow me. So he says, tithes, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Not just tithes, we read that the tithe belongs to God. We read that last week, right? He said that the tithe, that is mine. It belongs to me. We read that last week, that is true. The tithe belongs to God. But in this verse, he says, you have robbed me of tithes and offerings. In the Bible, when you read about offerings, it is listed as a free will offering. Let's look. Exodus 35, 29. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. Leviticus 1.3. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Ezra 3.5. Afterwards they offered the regular burnt offering and those for new moons and for all the appointed feasts of the Lord. They were consecrated and those of everyone who willingly offered a free will offering to the Lord. Malachi 3.8, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. How do you rob God of something that was yours to freely give? Unless you were robbing him of a blessing. So he goes on to list the blessing that comes when you give your tithes and offerings. And the principle is so divinely put into place that it takes care of many areas which we'll look at. Verse 9. 
So then it goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you're cursed with a curse though. I remember when, um, I remember one time in particular, Jarrett and I were um, going away on a trip and we had gotten paid and Sunday was over here and we were leaving like on a Wednesday or something. And I had this skewed thinking, which I think a lot of us do when it comes towards this tithe, but this skewed thinking that was like, I can't get my tithe paid because I'm gonna be gone. And this is like before e-transfer, cause like I'm old. And so there, there, it, there was like, I had it at home, but I remember leaving and going like, what if something happens? What if something, what if there's like, what if something happens to us because I never had time to get to the church to, to pay my tithe? What? Can you shake yourself of that right now? That's, that's baloney. What God is saying is this, he says, I don't want you to be under this thing. I don't want a curse to have any hold on you. What we talk about at the beginning of this series, the spirit of poverty and the spirit of mammon, those are not from God, those are curses. And what we said this, one of the best ways to break the spirit of poverty and the spirit of mammon off you is to tithe. The absence of blessing so God's saying there is, there is a kingdom principle put forth and a blessing comes with this. There are blessings of many things, blessings of being a children, of a child, blessing of being a son and blessing of being a daughter. There are many blessings that come forth. He says the tithe and the offering, when you bring it, there is a blessing that comes forth from this. But when you don't do it, there is no blessing. The absence of blessing is curse. Okay, when you take good out of a situation, when you take, there's a situation, you take all the good out of it, what do you have left? Bad. God's saying, I don't want you to be under this thing. I want to bless you. I want you to be blessed. Remember, we're looking at this through the heart of who God is. You know, God's so good. <laughs> this is such a side note, but it was my son's birthday and he got a bunch of money and he left out 20, $20. He left it out. I didn't know. And we're driving to church this morning and he says, I'm going to give this to God. And I said, that's super cool. And he said, I just felt in my heart that God said, that's mine. And I said, do you know about the tithe? I know kind of a little bit about it, yeah. I said, let me tell you what God's about to do for you. He didn't just say that's mine because I want it, because he doesn't need your money. He said, that's mine because I want to bless you.
So it goes on, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Remember the storehouse, that's the church or the place where you're spiritually fed. Bring all the tithes. He's not saying offering here. He was talking about tithes and offerings up ahead. Now he's saying, okay, now the tithe, bring that into the storehouse so that there would be food in my house. That's both natural and it is also spiritual. Natural so that there is enough to um, give unto good works, but spiritually fed as well so that when you come to be fed that there would be spiritual food in the house that when you would sit and what you've given into what you've tithed into that revelation would come forth God can do more with your 10% than you can if you kept all 100 remember it's an upside down kingdom Verse 10, this is my favorite part. Okay, verse 10. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. So he's saying, bring me the tithes and the offerings. Bring, it, bring your tithes into the storehouse. And he says, try me now in this. This is cool, okay? That word try means to prove or to test. The Hebrew word means, I'm going to try my very best to say it in Hebrew, bahan. <laughs> no? Okay. You guys don't, most of you don't know Hebrew, so I'm good. Bahan, I don't know how to say it. But it's a Hebrew word that means, again, to try, to test, to prove, to examine, to put on trial, to scrutinize, to try of gold, of persons, of the heart, and of the man of, or a man of God. He's saying... I want you to bring the tithes and the offerings. I want you to try me. He says, I want you to prove me. Have you ever done that where someone says something to you and you're like, prove it. God's like, right now, prove it. He's so confident in himself. He's like, prove it. Come on, let me prove it to you. I'm not going to fail. Come on, bring it. Okay, this gets better. This word used this word is used when speaking of testing metal that's what this word is used when, when when you go to test metals this word is used okay i don't know much about metal um, my husband is a metal artist and so i do know that when he is working in the garage you don't walk in in bare feet because metal shavings hurt when they go in your skin that's all i know about metal so I, I Wikipedia'd it, and I asked these two questions. Why do they test metal? And remember, we're, looking, we're thinking of this through God saying, test me, like you would test metal, test me. So why do you test metal? To prove the product's safety, the reliability, if it can be trusted, if it's a suitable substance and to prove its purity. So God's saying, prove me, see if I can be trusted. Test me, see if I'm sustainable. Test me, see, see if I'm pure. 
Then I asked this question. When they are testing metals, what are they testing for? And they do a test called the destructive test. And in the destructive test, this is what they're looking for. The bend test, the impact test. Can it be, can it be sustainable on impact? The hardness test, the tension test, the fatigue test, the corrosion test, the wear test, the leak test, the visual test. So God's saying, test me, see, see if I'll wear out. See if it's destructive. Go ahead. So this is what God's saying. There is nothing destructible about this principle. This principle can't be destroyed when put to the test, nor will it bring you destruction, nor can destruction touch you. How cool is that? That God would say, test it out, go ahead. he's so confident he's so confident that I I'll bless you there isn't anything about this that's destructible then in verse 10 it says here he, he's going to list the blessing and this is so cool so he goes test me now in this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. See, as he's talking about the blessing, if I will not pour out for you such a blessing, Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And see here that it says your sake, not, not the kingdom's sake, for you. And see if I won't do this for you, just because you. So that, I, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fair, fail to bear fruit for you in the field. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. The devourer, I can't talk today. The devourer is the enemy. He says that I won't rebuke the devourer for you. He goes, but then he won't touch. He won't touch the fruit. Anything that was meant to bring fruit in your life, you won't touch it. Can't touch your business, can't touch your livelihood, can't touch it. It's the heart of God. This is what I want to do. This is what God's saying. This is what I want to do. This is the principle. This is what comes forth from this. And then he ends it with verse 12. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Why? Because you gave him the opportunity to bless you. 
And I wonder how many times we've robbed God of a blessing. I wonder. Us really would like to change our thinking or shift our thinking to a place of being able to wrap our heads around the fact that these are principles that he's put in place, but they're for our good. It's not something that I have to do. It's something where he says, hey, I want to bless you. And this is what comes forth from that. I'm almost finished. Three things. Opportunities for God to bless you. Number one is the tithe. It's the 10%. It's the first fruits. First fruits meaning the first of. But you know that Jesus was God's first fruit. Jesus was God's first fruit. Number two, offering. That's your free will offering. That's over and above the tithe. Jesus offered himself for you. And then the last one, opportunities for God to bless you, sacrificial giving, sacrificial offering. And that's when it costs you something. That, that, that's like, it, it, it costs a lot. An example of that is in Mark 12, verse 41. It says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Look at that. It says, He sat opposite the treasury and saw how people put money into the treasury. Jesus was concerned not about the amount of money. He was concerned about their heart. It says, He, he was watching how they did it. Think about that when you give. Is this something that I have to do? Is this something that just makes me think that it washes my sins away when I do it? That God will be more proud of me if I do it? Or is it like we talked about last week, out of a place of recognizing that everything I have comes from Him and I do it to honor Him? So Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all of those who have given to the treasury for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had her whole livelihood. That was sacrificial. That was, that, that took something from her to do. That's what sacrificial offering is. Jesus sacrificed himself gave all he had for you. And I say that just to 
show you that God modeled it out too. He did it too. It blew my mind when I began to think about that. And so as I was studying, and I, and, and I hope that I can make sense of it. If not, hey, it was a really great revelation for me. I, it blew my mind. I started to cry. So I'm thinking at the end, I'm just thinking about how I am that pearl of great price. That, I, that, he, that he did it all. He gave a sacrifice for me. And I'm thinking about that. And... And, I, and I'm thinking about, and I go to John 3:16, and I go and I read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm thinking about this. And I just begin reading it. And I begin to study other versions and I'm beginning to study um, other words. And this is what pops up. For God proved that he loved us, that he gave his son. And that word proved jumped out at me because I'd just been studying when Jesus said, prove me now in this, test me in this, prove it. That God said, I'm a prove I love them. And there'll be nothing destructible about it. I'm going to send my son and it's going to cover everything. And I'm going to prove it to them. That wrecked me. He's going to prove it. And then in verse 17, it says, here's the point. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it. Instead, he is here to rescue a world headed towards certain destruction. And he says, my sacrifice, my son that I'll send, will prove that I love them, but also save them from destruction. And I couldn't help but look at Malachi 3.8. I think of God sending his son as his first fruits. And seeing what he did for us. Saving us from destruction as well. He loves us so, so much. And my heart is, is for us to recognize that that the tithe and the offering is about blessing us is a principle that God put in place to bless us. He says, don't, don't rob me of the opportunity to bless you. Because I love you so much. Incredible. He's incredible, amen? Amen. Adam?
information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.